0: Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. The Opinion Line on Courts 96FM.
1: 96FM our proud sponsors of the Mercy Heroes initiative as you'll know and every year we hear incredible stories from cancer survivors and families of those who were not so fortunate and i'm joined on the line right now by anton who is a testicular cancer survivor hi anton hi garathoyle i'm fine thank you uh tell me tell me the background to your story um basically uh at the end of 2018,
2: I started getting back pain, I suppose. Um, it got progressively worse. And I was going for physio, and physio wasn't working, so it got so bad that one Monday morning, I remember in February of 2019, I would have got out of bed, and walking was a bit of a struggle. So went to my GP. Um, he sent me for an MRI. Um, so I went up the Tuesday morning to get the MRI in the matter private, and he rang me when I was on the way down. Um, my GP, Dr. Dennis Cotter, Lord of Mercy, he's since passed away, but um, he rang me on the way down, see where was I, to turn around, that there way a few above me, CUH, and basically the course started from there. I was diagnosed that week, and that's where the roller coaster started.
1: And within days, you you had surgery, isn't that the case? That's right, so that would have been a
2: Tuesday I went up, um I was diagnosed on the Wednesday, uh, I had surgery that Friday, and I started chemotherapy in the Mercy on that April it was, and that's where my relationship with the Mercy would have started. Mm.
1: When when did you start chemotherapy? I started chemotherapy
2: in early April of that year, in 2019.
1: And that was when you came under the care of Derek Power, Professor Derek Power, an that's extraordinary right. individual.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He's just—he's uh, a mystery man, really. His what, what work the work he does is just—it's absolutely magnificent, to be honest. And the care he got in the mercy was just second to none, to be honest, with you.
1: Tell me a little bit about Professor Power because you know, from from what I can gather, he he definitely goes above and beyond the call of duty, doesn't he?
2: Absolutely, that? absolutely. Um, really, anytime, day or night, you can ring Dr. Darryl Power, and it's just he will he will bow down to you. Like, it's just the work he does. He's so good with patients. He makes you, you know, you're going through the worst time of your life and he makes you, you know, he, he really makes you feel comfortable when you are going through chemo. He He's really the to talk to. He's really good with patients. Um He's so understanding, you know. He's he's like just a non-person. It's not like you're talking to a consultant when you're talking to him. It's like you're talking to one of your friends, you know. It's just a really good man, really good man.
1: How was your mood? How how did you feel? Um, sure, I was not too far. Would have been poor,
2: you know. Um, there was stages there, definitely towards the end of my chemotherapy. Um, I went through a bad spell. I got a blood clot in my arm, and as a result of that, I got pneumonia. On top of that, so things were really down. I was really down that time. Um, that's kind of where the care I got in the rest came in. The nurses there in St. Teresa's Ward, they They knew I was down, they knew I was really down, and they kept a very close eye on me. Um, I can safely say that if I didn't get that kind of care, that things could have been different. Um, I mightn't be here talking today. So really, that's just,
1: that's really the the care I
2: got inside university, you know? Yeah.
1: Like, when you think of a a group of of the staff in, in a ward that is so critical to the well-being and to just to the, the mental stability of someone who's going through this um, extremely difficult situation. How did they cheer you up? I mean, I, I know how busy they are, but you, you're you saying that they took time just to, to chat and to text and to keep in touch with you, didn't they?
2: They did, absolutely. And I know, if, like, there was a couple of nurses there that
1: definitely during that hard time that they would have
2: stayed beyond their shift and just kept a close eye on me and came in and thought, just sat down and had the chats and you know, they kept they kept the mind ticking over, you know, I didn't have they didn't kind of didn't give me a chance to you know, t- think to sit down and think, you know, I was kind of going through the time where it was kind of a... why me syndrome, you know, why why did I get this? What did I do in a previous life? Yeah. Um and they knew that and they they were they were really, really helpful. Even though know, they were on first nails based with a lot of the my bodies that were in and out of the hospital, which is you know, that says that tells its own story, you know.
1: Mm. And then just when you were looking forward to Christmas, the cancer came back, didn't it?
2: That's right. Um, I remember, I think, we finished up for the holidays and I was going home for work looking forward to the Christmas party the following day and it was a Friday evening and Derek Powers named came up my phone. And I was just after going for a scan the previous week and I knew that it wasn't good. You know, he didn't... It ringing for the chats He wasn't a Friday evening. Um, so I had to go in that... The following day, I suppose, or the following Monday, sorry, mm. um, they didn't. I went for tests and they didn't tell me what was wrong, but I knew fine. that was wrong, though. They were, they were trying to fucking. They were trying to go around the whole subject, but I knew what was wrong. So after Christmas, then I found out that cancer had come back, so I was facing another battle with chemo.
1: And then you were right into, like, COVID slapped you in the face then at that stage, too. That's you? right. Um, there was a plan kind of put in place for my chemotherapy, but it changed in when.
2: COVID hit, um I had to get my chemo in CUH because of, they couldn't keep me for a weekend below in the Mercy. Um so that kinda of threw me as well because I had a relationship built with the team the Mercy and everyone sent toward. Um so going to CUH for chemo was a totally different for me. Yeah. Um no, don't get me wrong, the care I got in C O H was second to none as well. But the team, the Mercy Raw, was my beck and call. They were the the go-to people. So even so, though
1: even though you you couldn't go into Saint Teresa's ward, they were at the end of the phone if you needed. them. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And there was often I rang them. You know, I, I would would rang the
2: nurses that I knew there just to just for a bit of advice or whatever, and um, because I felt comfortable talking. They were like they were like family to me, so that's why um that's why they were still my beck and
1: calls. You know. And how long did you have to wait, Anton, to 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 get the green light to get the all clear? I got the odds here in July of
2: 2020. So soon, about a month after I finished my chemo, um, I went in for another MRI, and I met Derek Power in mid-July of 2020, and he gave me the odds here. And they
1: they continue to keep a close eye on you.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Every six months, I uh, I go into the mercy for a CT scan or whatever, and I meet Derek Power, and. My GP, Doctor John Linton Bantry, keeps a real close eye on me, so they're really keeping track. We know at this time.
1: Yeah. How How do you feel today? How do you feel
2: now? Oh, great, great. Yeah. Um, everything back to normal, back to work. Um, back really involved in the J club. Um, life is life is good at the moment, so I can't can't complain. Yeah.
0: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss.
1: Okay, look, Anton, it's great to talk to you, and uh, a, a really great survivor story. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much, Garth.: Thank you very much. Now, um, Chloe is on the line. Hi, Chloe.
3: Hi, Harry.
1: I'm fine. Now, your brother Ian died in 2021, didn't he?
3: He did, yeah. He passed away in January twenty twenty one. And as great as it is that we get to hear the stories, like it's so lovely to hear the people that have survived. You know, it's so sad that Ian doesn't get that story, but it's still so lovely to listen to all the fundraising and stuff that, that can make a a good impact on people's him.
1: Now, Ian was twenty eight when he passed away. Can you tell me his story?
3: He was so he got diagnosed with sarcoma cancer when he was twenty five. Um, he had been sick for a while and it was it's really difficult to detect. So um, he had travelled over to visit my parents in Spain um, and they hadn't seen him for a couple of weeks, so straight away they knew something was up. He visited a hospital over there and they sent him home. They said he needed to go home straight away, but they suspected a tumour. Um, so when he came home, he kind of went between a few places trying to get answers, I suppose. And in the end, the mercy was suggested to us, Dr. Perry was suggested, um, so Ian went to the Mercy in, I think it would have been the end of July, 20, um, the end of July 2018, um, and he met Dr. Perry and from there, he was so cared for. We knew from the start that Ian wasn't going to get better from this. We knew that there was, he could do a little bit of treatment, but there was no cure. Um. Initially, he had been told by a different doctor that he would survive for three months, possibly six, but that the words used were essentially there wasn't much point in treatment so I think he was really down and just I don't know if I was him I think I probably would have given up but he never had that attitude um when he met Dr. Perry he asked Dr. Perry he said you know I've been told I have three months do you think this and Dr. Perry never gave him a time scale he never said you have three months he never said I can't do anything for you there's no point there was none of that he just said I'll do everything that I can for you. And he did. Ian survived for two and a half years, which we think he he beat the odds. He used to call it borrowed time. Um, it was every single second of it. It was just time that we didn't think we'd have. And a lot of that was during COVID, which I know there's so many bad memories connected with COVID. But my family, I think we were so grateful for all that time that we got to spend at home money Ian. It was time that if the world was moving at a normal pace that we would have been out at work and everyone would have been doing their own thing. You know, I think it's little things like that that we're really grateful for.
1: And I I presume Professor Power made a huge difference to the whole treatment program, did he?
3: Absolutely. He made every second of it so much easier for him. He used to be able to call him whenever he wanted. He used to go in and meet him and he could come out smiling, even if he was being told that, look, things mightn't be working the way that they should just with how much of a friend he was to him and how much he gave him so much encouragement and really made him keep going.
1: Yeah, I, I sometimes question the need to tell someone that they may only have three months or six months because I think it, uh-huh. it it puts a block really on on making an effort to try to see beyond that for so many people, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, and I mean, like, in a way the fact that we had been given that three-month timescale and then he lived for two and a half years it was nice to see that he could outlive that but I can only imagine for those three months every day he must have been counting down thinking god now I only have two months left you know I I can't imagine the the headspace he must have been in and he was he was only 25 and I think I was 20 at the time and I think I must have thought that he was so much older and so able to cope with it but now that I'm that age, I realise how difficult it must have been for him, and it was, I don't know, I I don't know if anyone realised how much that was for him. He never spoke about it really. He he just acted like things were fine. He was before COVID. He was off going to stag's and just living his life the best that he could, and um, he never really let it get to him.
1: Yeah, now I know he adored the the staff in the mercy, didn't he?
3: absolutely loved them. He loved all the nurses. He used to be, um, Love Island would have been on at the time because it was the summer and he used to be chatting with the nurses about that and he'd come home, he'd be mentioning names there as if there were people he'd met in the pub but they were the nurses up in the mercy.
1: <laughs> and tell me about um the decision to bring him home so that he could spend his last few days in the, uh, at home with the family.
0: So
3: we're in Christmas of 2020, he had gotten really sick and by then we knew that his treatment had stopped and he had went for a few trial tests and stuff, but we knew there was nothing else could happen. So by that time, it was the midst of COVID. I think everybody was feeling really down. He obviously being really sick and then not really being able to do anything. And obviously he would have been in a bad headspace. He had spent a bit of time in the Mercy and he came home on Christmas Eve so after Christmas, he, we were delighted that he had, we had him home for Christmas because I think we all knew that it was the last Christmas that we'd have as family. Um, after Christmas, he had went back into hospital, but my parents and himself had spoken to Dr. Power and they had agreed that he could come home. Um, there was talks of him going to a hospice and stuff, but with it being COVID, there's my mom, my dad, myself and my brother, we wouldn't have all been able to go see him and you know that that wasn't what he wanted it wasn't what we wanted so they helped us to bring him home and um, he came home about a week before he passed um, and they were brilliant they set up everything out in the house for us they had night nurses calling they were so good derek perry used to call and check that everything was okay um he passed away on it was saturday the 21st of january it was just after seven o'clock and I remember saying to my mom, we're going to have to ring Derek Harry And I was thinking, look, I'll try him now and so sure I can try him again one day. And he answered the phone on the Saturday night. I did not expect it at all. Mm. But I think he must have also known that things were coming yeah. to an end for Ian. Like he told me he'd been expecting the call and just even to be able to talk to him and be able to. It nearly felt like a weight off that I'd been able to tell him because I felt like he was such an important person to tell at that time.
1: And Ian never woke up that evening, did he?
3: He didn't know, so it was just after seven, and um, he never woke up. But he just—he was asleep, and he just didn't wake up. It was really peaceful. It was really no drama. It's exactly exactly what Ian would have wanted—no drama at all.
1: Now I know you got so many wonderful letters and emails and messages from both the staff and indeed other patients at the Mercy. But it was your younger brother, Niall, who was twenty when Ian passed away. He—he he had this this urge to check the notes app. On the phone, isn't it?
3: Yeah, so, like, not long before Ian had went to sleep, he looked like he wasn't holding his phone, but he was scrolling. It looked like he was scrolling on his phone, but there was nothing in his hand. Um, And we were wondering, we were like, what's he doing? You know, nobody really knew. And after he passed, Niall said, he said, I don't know why. He said, I just really feel like I need to check the notes app so he went in and there was one note and it was dated from Ian had went for a test to see if he could get a uh, trial treatment a couple of months previous it was dated from that day mm-hmm. um, and it said don't cry because it's always smile because it happened and that was like the last thing that we ever had for me, and it was wow. the last thing that we'd ever read that he'd written and it just it's it really feels so special to us it's really like a message from him to all of us
1: that's the most beautiful sentiment isn't it
3: and it's great to remember him like it's so yeah. lovely that we have something so positive from it
1: yeah, beautiful. Don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. That's beautiful. Yeah. Chloe, thank you so much and pass on our best wishes to all of the family. And uh, w- what an extraordinary character and uh, doctor Professor Power is. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. it just, uh, it's just extraordinary to hear his love for his patients and just the fact that he devotes practic- practically all of his time carrying that mobile phone with him.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's great. We are really so thankful for him.
1: Great. Okay, talk to you. Thanks, Chloe. It's lovely to talk to you this morning.
3: Thank you. Bye. Thank
1: you. Take care. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful line?
0: Courts ninety six FM. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.